Well, we made it to double digits. Welcome to a very special 10th episode of my flock experience. The summer school ended yesterday, so today was quite a bit different. I attended the Pragmatics of SAT workshop at the Mathematical Institute. This was a one-day event that brings together some of the leading experts in the field of SAT solving. I'm no expert though, just an enthusiastic amateur there to make up the numbers. The temperature today has been scorching. It was already around 20 degrees when I arrived at the conference, and that was before 9am this morning. Upon arrival, there was a hive of activity. Dozens of helpful volunteers, wearing branded blue t-shirts, were directing the hundreds of eager attendees to their designated rooms. We were in a room imaginatively named L5, a fairly small room with capacity for about 30 people. Before I tell you about the workshop, maybe I should quickly try and explain what SAT is, and why it's important. SAT is short for the Boolean Satisfiability Problem, and you can think of it like a bit of a game. Someone gives you an equation containing Booleans, like A or not B and not C, and it's your job to try and make it true, by picking true or false for each of the variables. Hmm, on second thoughts, that doesn't sound like a very fun game. The simplest approach is to just brute force it, and try every possibility. For a three-variable equation, there are eight possibilities to try, and for a 300-variable equation, there are 20 trillion possibilities for every atom in the observable universe. In practice, there are much better ways to solve these equations than brute forcing. State-of-the-art SAT solvers can routinely deal with mind-bogglingly large equations with potentially millions of variables. And that's what the workshop was about, the latest research in how to do that as quickly as possible. But why should anyone care? Why does anyone need to solve such large Boolean equations? Well, SAT is what's known as an NP-complete problem. I'm not going to define what that is here, as it's quite technical and complicated. Maybe I'll save it for another episode. The important thing is that these NP-complete problems, of which there are many, have this really neat property that means you can transform them into each other. They're interchangeable. And there are literally hundreds of other NP-complete problems. Really fundamental things too, like graph problems, scheduling, packing, problems relating to circuitry. Even games like Minesweeper, Battleships and Lemmings are NP-complete. The list goes on. So the fundamental idea is this. Let's take a problem we'd like to solve, say, the problem of finding a path that visits every node in a graph, and convert it to SAT. The equivalent problem in SAT might be a really big Boolean equation, perhaps hundreds or thousands of variables, but that's okay. We feed it into one of these solvers, and hey presto, we've solved our original problem. Of course, we need to translate the result back into the domain of our original problem, but that's relatively easy to do. The workshop itself began with an introduction from its organiser, who said it was wonderful to see so many people interested in the gory details of SAT solving. Most of the lectures today were 30 minutes each and were given by a wide variety of people in the room. I won't explain all of the talks, but here are some of my highlights. 
Firstly, there was a talk by a mathematician interested in the age-old tradition of ringing English church bells. He explained that bells are rung in sequence, and there are rules for how the order can change. For example, if you're ringing four bells in sequence, one, two, three, four, you can't suddenly move the second bell to the end because it will have moved two places. You're only allowed to move it one place at a time, like leapfrog. So one, three, two, four would be a legal next move but not 1342, if that makes sense. Anyway, he went on to explain that appeal is when you ring every permutation of the bells one after another. For seven bells, there are seven factorial permutations, and this takes about three hours of solid concentration to do. If this wasn't difficult enough, there are different ways to ring all of these permutations, and there are some open mathematical questions about whether it's possible to do this under certain constraints. The speaker was trying to solve these problems, and he'd figured out a way to represent his problem as a graph, then converted this to SAT. He then used a SAT solver and figured out that it was indeed possible to ring a Bob's-only peel of Stedman triples, whatever that means. I really enjoyed this talk because it once more demonstrated the vast number of things that can be translated to SAT. Another great talk was about tuning parallel SAT solvers. These are solvers that run across multiple processors and potentially multiple machines. Historically, it's been really difficult to parallelize SAT solvers, even though at first glance you might think the problem can easily be subdivided. The reality is, it's been a real challenge for many years. The presenter had run some benchmarks on clusters of computers with up to one and a half thousand threads, while varying the behaviours of the solvers. He explained that it cost 12,000 euros in compute time to run the benchmarks once. That theme continued throughout the day. A presenter who spoke about the effects of scrambling on SAT solving had used 12 years of compute time. I thought they'd won the prize, but it turned out the next speaker had used 67 years worth. This was to produce some very detailed benchmarks on the performance of last year's solvers. These people were serious about getting these solvers to run bewilderingly quickly, poring over extremely detailed views of the benchmark data. At lunchtime today, food was laid on by the venue, and there was a lot of eager discussion going on. I recognised quite a few people from the summer school who were evidently staying around for some of the workshops. I don't think any were in the Pragmatics of SAT workshop, though. After I'd had my lunch, I went outside to catch some sun, and overheard a couple of people talking about organisational type things. I spoke to Catherine, who was an organiser of the conference, and I thanked her for the nice time I'd had so far. Amazingly, she explained there are only five organisers for the entire conference, of which more than a thousand people are attending. This is only possible because so many people are volunteering to help out. In exchange, they receive free admittance to some of the workshops. All in all, there are 150 volunteers and 20 workshops running in parallel. It's a huge logistical achievement. I asked whether it was a stressful time for her, and she explained it had been last week, but now the conference was in flow, most of the hard work was done. And now for the inside scoop. Sitting just a few metres away from the ice cream van, I asked whose idea it was. She explained that originally they didn't think they'd have budget, but then loads more people signed up to the conference, so they could afford a few extras. The economics of the conference are not for profit, so they reinvest all ticket prices into making the experience as enjoyable as possible. 
except for a small amount they keep us afloat for next year. I suggested this meant the ice cream van was the collective decision of all the communities and volunteers who endorse the conference and think it's a worthwhile thing to go to. Before I returned to the afternoon session, Catherine sincerely asked if there was anything I'd noticed that could be improved. I said there wasn't, and I was really enjoying my time here. A few minutes later, in the afternoon session, I put two and two together and realised this was the same Catherine who had contacted me on Twitter about potentially adding the podcast to the Flock website. I messaged her and she confirmed she was. It was quite the coincidence. Towards the end of the day, the workshop discussion opened up a bit. I really enjoyed this, and the sentiment in the room was that of wanting to work together to make as much progress as possible. The theoreticians were asking if they could help by analysing any of the clever tricks that seemed to to work in practice that couldn't be explained by the people writing the solvers. Likewise, the practitioners were asking what they could do to make their solvers more accessible to the theoreticians. There was an open discussion about building a common platform for sharing example problems and benchmarks so that everyone could benefit. I felt a lot of respect for the people in the room. They were all so focused on pooling their efforts towards a common goal, and many of them had spent significant portions of their life working on this. There were also times where they'd joke about each other's solvers and poke fun at various things. You could tell these people had gotten to know each other over many years. To some extent, I was a bit starstruck throughout the day. I've spent many hours playing with this technology, and to be involved in a discussion with almost everyone involved in creating it meant a lot to me. At the end of the day, I'd taken in so much, I just wanted to go home and sit in a quiet room for a while to think. So that's what I did. Until next time, thanks for listening.